We're going to step aside from Titus this morning. Uh, We'll be in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to talk about changed plans today. Changed plans. As we embark on a new year, I assume you have plans. Um, It's good to have plans. The Word of God encourages us to have plans. Proverbs 21.5 The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteous, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. And so certainly we're cautioned not to just make quick snap decisions, but to think on those things and prepare and to plan. And, uh, and so I trust that you have some plans in life. And, and this is the time of year where everybody starts thinking about the new year and they got fitness goals and finance goals and family goals and all kinds of things. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but in our text this morning, we see Mary's espoused husband, Joseph. And, uh, Joseph is struggling with the news that his intended bride is pregnant. He had plans. He was preparing for marriage. He was excited about what was going on in his life, and, uh, but this baby's not his. And certainly uh, his plans were interrupted. Uh, no doubt he was preparing and planning and thinking on these things. Uh, but what do we do when our plans are interrupted? Uh, and we know we have the benefit of reading the story. Uh, we know God was working here. Um, and sometimes we, we must remember that these accounts in the, in the, in the Bible, uh, we see these people as different from us somehow. Uh, but the truth is, these are ordinary people living ordinary lives. Uh, what makes them extraordinary is God moving in their lives and what God's doing in their lives and how they respond when God works in their life. And so, um, all throughout history, God used normal people. Just people like you and people like me, ordinary men and women to accomplish His extraordinary purposes. And certainly, I trust you want to be a part of something that God wants to do uh, in and through your life. And so, Joseph was going or God was going to use Joseph to help prepare the way for the fulfillment of God's promise to bring salvation to all men. Uh, what what an honor to be a part of something uh, like that. Uh, often I think Joseph's life kind of gets glanced over. There's a lot of talk of Mary and and uh, uh but cuz we really know relatively little about Joseph. We don't know a lot about him. He lived in in obscurity really. He was a carpenter. Uh, he was some type of a craftsman. Um, he, he was the husband of Mary. We understand that. We know he was a just man. He was a righteous man. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, but Joseph plays a significant role uh, that we don't often recognize. And so this morning, I want to examine Joseph's circumstances. Let's read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The Word of God says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, he before they, or excuse me, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And so his circumstances are interesting. And I think it's very possible that Mary and Joseph were really young at this point. Uh, Customarily, uh, the young girls could be as young as 12 or 13 years old. Uh, The young men maybe a little bit older older than that when they were betrothed. Um, Custom was often a betrothal. And uh, these Jewish weddings had two stages, really. Uh, the betrothal, uh, kedushin, uh, kedushim, something like that. And, and then there was a hoopah, which is a covering that is at the ceremony. And so it was really that there was a betrothal phase and, and then a, a, a ceremony phase. And so uh, likely is they were betrothed. Um, and so it was probably arranged by their parents uh, and sometimes without consulting the youngsters. Right, that's crazy to us. You know, if my dad would have just said, "Hey, here's this lady for you," I would think I would have been okay. Well, hopefully, but the reality is, it works out really well because I know I want the best for my children, and so we are. I mean, certainly, a parent that loves and cares for their children, they're gonna they're gonna find a good mate. But anyway, it is contrary to what we experience in our culture today. And, uh, and oftentimes in this period of betrothal or this espousal or this engagement period, there wasn't a lot of contact between the two. Um, <clears throat> but certainly Joseph was excited about this problem. Regardless of the circumstances, whether mom and dad said, hey, this is the gal for you, or maybe finally he convinced somebody to say, whoa, hey, this guy's not too bad. Whatever the circumstances, he's excited about this opportunity and preparing to some extent. Um, I know for me, I didn't have a lot of preparations myself. I just had to get a job and start paying for stuff. Uh, but Cindy did a lot of arrangements in, in preparing for the ceremony and those things. Um, but certainly there was some excitement and some anticipation. Uh, it was an exciting time for Joseph. Uh, he had plans. Uh, and, and his life was going to change. And, uh, but all of a sudden, there's news from his bride. his future bride, and, and we don't have specifics of that conversation, but look at verse 18. It says, before they came together, she was found with child. Uh, certainly, as I mentioned, we can read of the Holy Ghost and all those things, but can you imagine Joseph? What's the natural understanding of this circumstance when, when, you're, when you're, you're engaged, comes to you and says, I'm with child? The assumption is she's been with a man. And she's conceived, and, and, and can you imagine the, the turmoil and, and the, the difficult time that must have been for Joseph to find out that she's been unfaithful? All this planning, all this preparation, and here we are, uh, and we're going to be married soon, and what's going on here? Uh, she's been unfaithful. Uh, humanly speaking, that's really the only conclusion. Uh, and and I, I came across some things I found interesting. In Luke 139, when, when the angel comes to Mary there, 
uh, after she's informed that she's going to be conceiving of the Holy Ghost, it says she went with haste to the hill country. And she goes up to see Elizabeth. And that's where we, the, the account of the baby leaping in the womb when she meets Elizabeth and those things. But she stays there three months. And so perhaps, and, and it says after the angel spoke to her, she left. And so we don't know the time when the angel spoke to her, the angel speaking to Joseph. We're not sure what's going on here, but there was a period of time when she informed him of her pregnancy and the Lord had not informed him that it was of the Holy Ghost. I don't know what length of time that was, but it was long enough for him to think on these things for a while. And so she could have come back after this three-month time up in the hill country, and by this time she's three months pregnant, probably showing a little bit, and his eyes pop out of his head like, what is going on here, lady? What has taken place? And so certainly he would have been perplexed by these circumstances. Because again, all he hears is she's with child. Uh, and, and she's got this story that it's of the Holy Ghost. All right, Mary, you're real spiritual. Can you imagine what's taking place in his life here? And uh, <clears throat> we know that Joseph was certainly perplexed. In verses, uh, I think it's verse, uh, let me look here, 19 or 20. Yeah, verse 20, but while he thought on these things, uh, he had time to consider and to think about what was taking place. Uh, his mind was in no doubt in a whirlwind of thought. What do I do with this situation and this circumstance? Here's what Adam Clark said. What conversation passed between her and Joseph on this discovery we are not informed. But the issue proves that it was not satisfactory to him. Uh, the Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary says this. As he brooded over this matter alone in the stillness of the night, his domestic prospect darkened and his happiness seemed blasted for life. Could you imagine your plans just being totally disrupted and ruined? I, I think we can understand that. We've all experienced things in life. Uh, listen, many of us have probably experienced disappointment in our marriages. The things that we expected or that we thought were going to take place, turns out that's not the case. Uh, but listen, no doubt Joseph was enveloped in, in this and in, in just thinking about this and, and trying to understand we make all these plans and preparations, and when things do not go our way, how do we respond? What do we do when we're put under pressure? That's the real test of our character at those moments. And how we respond in those times is the true test. And so today, I want you to notice Joseph's character. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away, privately or privily. He, he had decided he's going to put her away which was his right, biblically, uh, according to the law. We, we'll look at that here. But the word just here means he was equitable. Here's what Thayer's Greek lexicon says uh, regarding this word just. That is, uh, it refers to one who is righteous, observing divine and human laws, one who is such as he ought to be. In a wide sense, it means right uh, or upright, righteous, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. He goes on to say, uh, in Matthew 1.19, the meaning is that it was not consistent with Joseph's uprightness to expose his betrothed to public reproach. The word refers to one that is innocent, faultless, guiltless, preeminently of whom, of whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed 
to the will of God. One that is acceptable to God. So we find somebody that is of utmost character here. Uh, and and I, I want to, in their day, when they're a spouse, it, it's different than maybe what we see when we hear of a broken engagement. It was a much bigger deal for them than it is that we might understand today. Uh, they were considered husband and wife at this point. And uh, it wasn't uh, just a flippant thing for them to, to be. I'm not saying it's a flippant thing today. Uh, let me drink a glass of water after saying that. But <laughs> I mean, it's a big deal, but uh, I, think, I don't think we fully understand all of the, uh, the things that were taking place here. It, it was a big deal for uh, there to be a breach in this agreement. Uh, he was a righteous man, though. And as I said, the, according to Deuteronomy, the law is on his side. Uh, she had, uh, humanly speaking, or quite naturally, what we would assume is there was a, there was a human relationship that had taken place. And so uh, he was on the moral high ground, if you will. Uh, he, he knew he shouldn't go through the marriage because Mary was pregnant. Uh, and, and he was not the father, and so he didn't want to assume these things, uh, these responsibilities. And, and, uh, but second, because of his righteous love and kindness, he could not bear the thought of shaming her publicly. We're talking about a man that has utmost character. Uh, and, and just to think customarily in that day, it would have been no problem for him to openly say, hey, look at this. And really, she could have been subject to the death penalty. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, but certainly, he, he didn't want to shame her, and he didn't want to demand her death, uh, which was provided by the law. Uh, there is no evidence here that Joseph felt any anger or resentment. I find that interesting. Uh, he had been shamed. If what he's expecting happened to be the case, he had been shamed, and and, uh, but his concern was not for his own shame, but for Mary's. What a fella. He was more concerned with how this might affect her. Uh, here's what Barnes says about the word just. The meaning is that he was kind, tender, merciful. That he was so attached to Mary that he was not willing that she should be exposed to public shame. He was very concerned with how this would affect her. Despite what it meant for him. And uh, what, a, what an interesting thing. Would to God that we had more men with character like this today. Uh, men of character. And so jo the Bible tells us about his considerations in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. And uh, we know that it was his right, as we would say today, to uh, be able to write her a bill of divorcement, to put her away uh, for this for this uh, error or this sin, we would say. But um, oftentimes in their custom, they would give a reason for why they would write this bill of divorcement. And it would be a public thing and it would go forward and everybody would understand why uh, she would be being put away and, and he wasn't willing to do that. And uh, he could take the legal steps uh, to affect the separation but the Bible tells us in verse 20 that Joseph thought on these things. He would not make a hasty decision 
again, he's a man of character. He's pondering these things. He's thinking on these things. Uh, And listen, I want to remind you, this isn't a small thing. This is a life-altering circumstance that he's facing here. And and it's life-altering for both of them. Uh, And and he's losing his wife and and all the future that he had hoped to have with her. Um, And no doubt she would be subject to some shame and and even possibly the death penalty uh, being made a public example. So I want you to understand, can you try to put your pl- yourself in his place and, and, and put yourself in the place of disappointment that Joseph's experiencing here? Where he had some ideas, he had some plans, he was preparing for some things. He had an idea of how his life was going to work. And then this disappointment comes. He's been offended. During all the excitement, during all the preparations, during all the planning, they all come to a screeching halt. Uh, because we are told that she is pregnant. Uh, talk about a pit in your stomach. Uh, the disappointment and the discouragement. Don't forget, these were real people. This was a real situation. They had real feelings. Uh, he experienced this. Now, why God didn't come to him before and say, Hey, Joseph, I, I got this plan. If you remember reading the Word of God back in Isaiah and in these things, there's going to be a virgin that's going to conceive. That's Mary. Why God doesn't do that, I, I, I don't know. Certainly we would like to know God's answers before we go through some of these difficult times, right? I know I would. God, give me a heads up. But God allows him to go through this. And it's an amazing display of his character. It reveals the man that Joseph is. And so we would do well to think on things before asking or before acting. Uh, to seek the Lord in his mind before making decisions. I think that's what Joseph's doing here. He, he's pondering. He, he's minded to put her away. He, he, it's his right to do that. Why, I don't, I, I've kept myself pure. Why would I want to take somebody that hasn't done the same? Uh, but while he does this, God changes the plan. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. To take Mary unto thee, or to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And again, the Lord calls her the, his wife there, and they're just espoused. It was a big deal. Uh, and God revealed a lot to Joseph in these dreams. I, I, I got some stuff in my notes. We're gonna, I'll just skim over them. But here's the first directive that God gives him in Matthew chapter 1, and it's to marry Mary. If you're not, get married. But God comes to him again in, in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, and tells him to escape to Egypt uh, for the child's life. And then in Matthew 2, 19, he, he tells him to return to Israel. And, and uh, this fourth revelation comes in Matthew 2:22 that it's time to go to Galilee. And, and, and so come, go back up to Galilee. And, uh, but this first time, the Lord, we, we see speaking to uh, <clears throat> Joseph in a dream, it, it's during a time of, of concern and, and consternation, and, and he's, he just really doesn't know what to do. Uh, and what at such a time do we need God in those times? And what a blessing it is to know that God showed up for Joseph here. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived 
in her is of the Holy Ghost. Fear not, Joseph. Listen, I know you had some plans. I know you had some ideas what you wanted, but I had a plan. I'm going to change your plan, Joseph. We don't like to hear that. We want life to go the way that we're planning and we're preparing for. But listen, God disrupts our lives at times. And it's to fulfill His plans and His purposes and His will. And perhaps to bring salvation to some. In Joseph, we know that was the case, to bring salvation to the world. And, and listen, I, I, God sometimes makes those disruptions to our plans difficult in our lives. Think of Job. God allowed all of that affliction in his life. This is a blessing. And we'll see here if we get through this thing in my notes. Uh, but, but Joseph had to have some courage to, to move forward here as well. But, but listen today, sometimes it's not always good news that God brings in our life. Uh, but again, our character is going to dictate how we respond. Are we going to trust and, and be faithful to our God? Matthew Henry said this, When he was at a loss and had carried the matter as far as he could in his own thoughts, then God came in with advice. Fear not, Joseph. The Lord tells him, fear not. Don't hesitate. Don't have any apprehensions about her and her, her virtue or her purity. Uh, Mary is the girl that you thought she was. Uh, don't fear that she's unworthy, uh, that she's going to disgrace you. That's not the case. And, and so God settled his, settles his direction. Uh, take Mary and God settled his doubts. Uh, fear not. That's conceived in hers of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to doubt Mary. She's been faithful. And, and what a blessing to know. And we know that uh, in these words, God uses uh, some language here to encourage him about Jesus' royal lineage, lineage in, in, uh, as he addressed Joseph as the son of David. Uh, listen, even though he wasn't the real son of Joseph, Jesus was going to be his legal son. His father was God who conceived him by the Holy Ghost, but his royal right in the Davidic line comes by Joseph. Uh, the phrase, that which is conceived of the Holy Ghost here, is, is very profound. Uh, in those words, it's the ultimate testimony of the virgin birth of our Savior. It is the testimony of the holy angel from the Lord God himself. I can just hear this morning, Joseph was told that God was working in a miraculous way in this situation. Joseph, I'm changing the plan. Now, we'll look at it here in a moment. This is God's plan all along. But for Joseph, he didn't understand that. This is just Joseph living his life, and he's got his, his bride that he's expecting to marry. And so his plans were certainly disrupted. And so God gives him uh, this comforting words that he's working in a miraculous way in this situation, in his circumstances. He gives Joseph a command, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, here's, a, here's another note on the virgin birth. Uh, in verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son. Uh, notice, if you look at back in, in chapter 1, in verse 13, I believe it is, where it says of Elizabeth, she, she, will, or, she shall bear thee a son. Talking to Zacharias. 
Well, it's different. This is another testament to the virgin birth of our Savior. She's not bearing Joseph's son. This is the son of the Holy Ghost. This is God himself conceived of a virgin. And so he's going to name him Jesus. As his legal father, you're going to name him Jesus, Joseph, which comes from Jehoshua. We see that in Numbers 13. And and after the captivity, we see it as Jeshua in in, uh, Nehemiah 7, meaning deliverer or Jehovah saves. Here's some thoughts that Matthew Henry has on it. He says this, There were two of that name under the Old Testament who were both illustrious types of Christ. Joshua, who was Israel's captain at their first settlement in Canaan, and Joshua, who was their high priest at their second settlement after the captivity. Christ is our Joshua, both the captain of our salvation and the priest of our profession, and in both our Savior. A Joshua comes in the stead of Moses and does that for us, which the law could not do, in that it was weak, Joshua had been called Hosea, but Moses prefixed the first syllable uh, of the name Jehovah and so made it Jehoshua to indicate that the Messiah who was to bear that name should be Jehovah. He is therefore able to save to the uttermost. Neither is there salvation in any other. What a name. He shall save his people from their sins uh, by his personal acts. Uh, and, and certainly we know when we talk about saving his people, the lost sheep of Israel in the first instance, because they were the only people that he had then, but on the breaking down of the middle wall of partition, the saved people embraced the redeemed unto by his blood out of every kindred and every people and tongue and nation. He's going to save them from their sins. Joseph is told that the key to all of this is Jesus. He is the most important factor in Joseph's dilemma here. It's a game changer. It's a plan changer. And and we see in verses 22 through 23, there's uh, a fulfillment of prophecy. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. The words of, of these verses... They may or may not have been part of the angel's message to Joseph. It uh, could just be some explanatory notes that Matthew adds uh, to the account. Either way, it, excel- it helps us understand the connection to the prophecy in Isaiah regarding the virgin birth. And uh, I-, I have some notes here, uh, but I'm going to skip some of my... I just, I'll say this. When Ahaz was attacked, he was depending on Assyria for help. But Isaiah gave him a promise of Emmanuel. God with us. Isaiah indicated that the house of David would not be utterly destroyed so that this prophecy would be filled. Joseph, this son of David, must have felt like he was under attack from the circumstances. But these circumstances would not utterly destroy him for God was fulfilling the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. What a comfort it must have been when Joseph realized what God was doing in his life. All of that frustration and, and all of that, that difficulty that he had gone through, understanding, thinking that his wife had been unfaithful, but he realizes God's working here. Joseph is told that uh, this is not taking God by surprise. God's not shocked by the change in his circumstance. God's not shocked by what's taking place here. He knew about it beforehand, and he did, in fact, deliver a prophetical statement here in this passage. 
God had been planning this all along. And listen, this morning, the crises that we encounter, they don't take God by surprise either. The things that we think that are ruining our plans and destroying our, uh, our lives and just upsetting the apple cart, God knows all about it. He knew it was coming. How do you respond when God changes your plans? Let's see how Joseph responds. He responded with prompt obedience. Uh, one lady said this, Before marriage, a man will lay down his life for you. After marriage, he won't even lay down his newspaper. We chuckle at that because there's some truth. But I don't think this was the case with Joseph. He was willing to take any shame or, or reproach that there might come from outsiders that didn't understand the circumstances here. Uh, in response to God's will for this situation, the Bible says, Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Any hesitation, any fear that he had, uh, any of those things that had took up residence in his heart, they were dispelled when the angel informed him that the child's name would be Jesus. I thought this was interesting. Here's what Spurgeon said about that. It says, Truly, no one can banish fear like the name of Jesus. It is the beginning of hope and the end of despair. Can you imagine the amazement of Joseph when he realized he was going to be a part of of God with us, be a part of, uh, uh, of the virgin birth of the Savior. We know nothing of Joseph's reaction except that he immediately obeyed. I hope that to be said of us. We can imagine how great his feeling of amazement, relief, and, and all those things, and, and the gratitude that he had, not only that he would be able to take his wife, he loved Mary. What a great thing to hear that, that all of his plans were not ruined. And it could be done with honor and in righteousness. And he would have the care of, of Jesus in his home. Uh, what a relief this must have been for him and for Mary. I don't know what he told Mary. He said, hey, man, I've got to go think about this. But can you imagine the relief that was to the... And certainly she knew before... You know, she, she was probably on the flip side of this going, what is going on? I, I told him this is of the Holy Ghost. I'm not making this story up. <clears throat> he was an obedient person. He did what the, the Lord had bidden him to do. Being raised from sleep by the impression which the dream made upon him, he did as the angel of the Lord had bid him. Listen, it was contrary to what he was originally going to do. It was contrary to what he thought was going to be done. He took his wife and he did it speedily, without delay, cheerfully, without dispute. Uh, he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He was obedient to his God. And listen, he responded with confidence in the promise. Uh, 22 through 24, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Certainly Joseph, being a just man, knew God always kept his promises. God was faithful to his promises. 
Here's a couple examples. Joshua 23, 14. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know all, excuse me, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that one thing hath, that not one thing hath failed of the good which the Lord your God spake concerning you all. All are come to pass unto you. Here's how it closes out. Not one thing hath failed thereof. Certainly Joseph would have been familiar with these things. Ezekiel 12, 28, Therefore uh, say unto, thee, or unto them, saith the Lord God, There shall none of my words be prolonged any more. Listen to this. But the word which I have spoken shall be done, saith the Lord. And I'll remind you of this this morning in Titus 1, 2, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. Listen, God's promises are not like our promises. We make promises and, and we break them. We shouldn't. But we do. I'm guilty. That happens. Uh, But God doesn't do that. God is faithful always. Joseph could respond in confidence because God is perfect. His word is perfect. His will is perfect. His nature is perfect. And God always keeps His promises. They're sure. And so he could respond in confidence Listen, God's promises are more sure than anything this world has to offer. Listen, we can count on His Word entirely. The message from the angel was the beginning of another promise kept. I think Joseph understood that at some point in this. He's like, wait, I've, I've heard of this. And so he understood this was the beginning of God keeping His promise. Listen, Joseph saw that God was able to keep His promises... Uh, that he had made, and, and you could imagine the awe when he realized that his wife was going to be the virgin. Not only does Joseph see this as a fulfillment of the promise, but also was a reminder in the midst of changed plans in uncertain times that we're not alone and that God is with us, Emmanuel. Can you imagine in all of this, in all of the difficulty, God was there with him the whole time? God's faithfulness in the past guarantees God's faithfulness today and in the future. Uh, We have a faithful God who can be trusted. When He interrupts your plans, you can trust Him. When God moves, we must obey promptly. We need to be obedient, having full confidence that, that He will keep His promise and He will be faithful to His Word. And we know Emmanuel, God with us, is about God's promise of His constant presence among His people. Uh, Throughout Israel history, God was faithful. He had been faithful. Because He has kept His promises in the past, He would do so again in the future. But also, Joseph responds courageously. It says, He did as the Lord, He did as the angel of the Lord had bidden Him. Joseph committed himself to obedience. He did not ask any questions. He didn't give any conditions on his obedience. Well, Lord, if you do this, I'll I'll follow along with this plan. No, he was just obedient. He woke up and did as the Lord had bidden him. The plan is simple. Mary is going to conceive. She's going to give birth to a child, and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's God's plan. Listen, even though Joseph found out that this indeed was God's plan, 
and that Mary had been faithful, there were probably some that had the perception that there was some unfaithfulness that had taken place. Uh, we don't know the exact timing of their, their espousal, betrothal period, and, and when the marriage ceremony was scheduled, but it says he immediately took her. Perhaps to avoid any speculation that, well, she's pregnant and they haven't had their ceremony yet. What's going on? Maybe they had an inappropriate coming together, or maybe she had, right? I, I don't know all those specifics, but, but listen, he was courageous, and he took on whatever shame that there might come their way whatever the people might perceive. Certainly there would have been some that would assume the worst. And so for Joseph to obey and take on this, this earthly and legal father role of, of Jesus, uh, he had to abandon his plans and, and trust the Lord and, and surrender to God's plan. And so that he could embrace whatever false accusations or shame that, that potentially could come their way. And so as we close, I, I want to tell you this. Obedience to God will always cost us something. It will cost our plans. I know this was never in my plan to be here today. And I'm not talking about from yesterday or the week coming. I knew I was going to be here the last couple of weeks. Or two. But, but what I'm saying, I never intended to be on staff at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. That wasn't in my plans. So it's going to cost us something. Maybe our plans, maybe our finances, our dreams, our hopes. Uh, the obedience will always cost us something. Resources, finances, whatever it may be. And Joseph responded honorably and courageously. And said, whatever this means, I'm going to be obedient to what God has for us. When God reveals His plan to us, we have no, ob we have no obligation but to be obedient. Just to step out in faith and obey the problem is we often ask and pray for God to reveal His will, but we don't lack our own will to be obedient. God help us. In each one of us, at some point, God's going to bring something in your life that you're not expecting. Something that's not according to your plan. How will you respond? Remember, God is working behind the scenes whether you realize it or not. God's never idle. God will work in those things. And so as we close, what is interesting for Joseph is that at first it seemed a curse but became a blessing. Listen, we know God can work all things together for our good. Not only a blessing for Joseph, but it became a blessing for all of mankind. The Savior is born. Both Mary and Joseph had to first surrender and respond to God's will and plan for their lives. Just two ordinary people. And God was going to do extraordinary things through them. He was going to do the supernatural. But they needed to be obedient and surrendered in full faith. And we know that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Today I want to ask you this question. As Mary and Joseph responded to this news, the King is coming. How, you, how will you respond to the news that the king has come? Listen, the baby was born. The baby grew. He lived a sinless life. <laughs> a sinless life that you can't live, and, and he died a death that he didn't deserve, that you deserved. How do we respond to that news? Listen, for some, that's a reminder of the great gift of our salvation. 
But there are some that maybe you haven't yet responded to the glorious truth of Christmas. Listen, Christmas isn't about a baby. It's about the Savior of the world coming in the flesh and dwelling among us to save us from our sins. That's the Christmas message. Because He came, He lived, and because He died and rose again, when we believe we can be forgiven, we can be reconciled, we can be redeemed, listen, we become the children of God. What a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this day. We thank You, Lord, for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place that we might be reconciled to You. I ask now that You'd work in our midst today, that You'd bless the service to follow, fill with Your Spirit. I pray that You bless the preaching, bless the time of worship. Lord, we just desire to glorify You in all of it. You're so good to us, Father, and we thank You. In Jesus' name, amen.